0: Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the and Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper, Dan Clark and Damien Farrar-Hockley. Our guests this week are Tom Wyatt and Chris Spratt. This podcast is all about giving a voice to the fans of our great football club. Each episode aims to deliver high-quality, in-depth discussion on all things and Wanderers. Want to share your opinions on matches or other aspects of our football club? Well, now you can. Go to speakpipe.com forward slash heroes of HP12 and leave us a voice message and feature on our next podcast. On this episode, we're discussing last week's defeat against Lincoln, a result that all but guarantees League One football for another season. We're also talking about this week's EFL award ceremony, takeaways from TJ's Chairboys chat, more on the recent financial report, and finally, we're looking ahead to this weekend's final home game of the season against Cheltenham Town. Let's, uh, let's rip off the band-aid. Lincoln at the weekend went down 2-0, early goal conceded in the first half, and then Lassie Sorensen got us from the halfway line. Guarantees that we'll be playing League One football next season. How are we feeling about that? What positives can we find
1: from uh, from the weekend's result? We're staying up, yeah. In all seriousness, um, you know, we've been talking for some time now about how we think, or how we thought, perhaps that with all the uh, all the jiggery pokery during January with Mawson, Mameti, Ainsworth, etc., that we thought the playoffs was probably going to be a bit too much. Most like-minded fans had perhaps um, had perhaps accepted that that this year was going to be more a year of getting a squad ready for next year and preparing for another season in League One. I think when you look at the teams above us and even some of the teams below us, you know, we're talking about the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, Bolton, Derby, Barnsley, Portsmouth. You know, these are these are not just big teams. These are teams who have been in the Premier League in most of our lifetimes. Teams who have won FA Cups, you know. So to, to be competing with those sides with a, a fraction of the budget and a fraction of the fan base, it has to be considered considered a positive. And I think you know most most sensibly level headed fans will um, sort of shrug their shoulders, accept the fact that that Matty's got the summer to build his own squad and move on.
2: Naturally, we all wanted to go up, which is is fine. But I was a bit worried on Saturday about how toothless we were, and I think it's happened in a few games now. From an attacking perspective, we're not yeah. you know, really driving that clinical we're not we don't have that clinical edge that we had hmm. maybe a few few weeks obviously when ago when Gaz was in charge. But obviously Lincoln are well drilled and they're preparing for next season. They've they've got really uh you know they've got a strong squad. Uh yeah, apparently they had something like eleven first team regulars out, but their depth seems good enough to kind of cover that. So that you know they'll they'll be a really good side next season. Again, Wickham Twitter went into a bit of a meltdown on Saturday, which you, you kind of expect. But realistically, even if we were going to hit the playoffs this season, there's, I don't think there's any way we would have gone up. And to be honest with you, even if we went up, I don't think we were ready for the championship. I feel we're less prepared for the championship now than we were when we actually went up. So I'm not too disheartened. I think um, now just looking ahead, it's it's a massive summer. We've, we've really got to make a difference with the plans. And obviously Rob... And Matty have alluded to that in their commentary, you know, in their interviews over the last few weeks. But it's it's a big summer now. I think we've got a better chance of going up than we did uh, this season because obviously you look at who's going up. You've got Ipswich and a big side from the playoffs going up, and I don't really feel uh, you're probably looking at Wigan and Blackpool coming down with potentially Reading, and I really don't think they have the financial clout to to really kind of challenge at the top again next season. So. You know the opportunities there. I think it's it's thinned out the uh, the more difficult challenges. But then, when you've got teams emerging next season that that weren't doing as good this season, who knows?
3: We had the same levels of play as we did against Forest Green. Differences: we were playing a team much better than Forest Green. It wasn't good enough to win, and I it looked to me like they were on the beach already. But you know, two games to go—that's a, it's a big statement. But I just don't think they were up for it. With regards to carrying on, I think that Bloomfield and uh Kuhig will of Rob Kuhig will have plans, and the need. But well, I believe they need to get them in early, get the players in early, so that they have all the whole pre-season with them, rather than coming in dribs and drabs. We may do what we did on with quite a lot, get one late uh, a transfer in, but we just need to, as as the other guys have said, we just need to build the squad because. It, 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 if we went up, like, with this squad now, we'd be down by Christmas in the championship. So we need to really sort it, sort it out
2: now.
4: I think that if you're talking finishing where we have in League One at the moment, I think the start of the season, I probably would have said, you know, all of these big teams, as some of the guys have said, you'd accept that. You'd take that. But then you look at different parts of the season. We went on that good five-game unbeaten streak where we were just winning uh, with Gaz, and you're thinking... We're in the driver's seat here. We could actually be in with a shout at the playoffs with all these big teams. And I think, you know, we played Barnsley off the park at their place, beating 3-0. I think we were very, very unlucky to lose that one um, at our place. We matched Sheffield Wednesday at our ground as well. It just took a wonder goal to beat us. I mean, we're not miles away when we were playing Gazi's style, yeah, fair to say, from the playoffs. But I think the transition is maybe taken... Taking that time that people would expect and looking with a new manager, different style of play, uh, injuries, and that sort of thing, I think I'd snap your hand off of where we are right now. Um, I think Saturday was a little bit problematic in the sense that we looked toothless, as again some of the guys have said, but also we weren't settled on a style. It wasn't passing it around the whole time, it was then looking long and trying to hit Vokes on the diag. And it's, it reminded me of Forest Green in the league two days when they had Cooper as their manager. It reminded me of Oxford, uh, where they just pass it around the back and then we just go, do you know what, after the ball, just they'd punt it over the top, lose the ball. It reminded me of MK Dons in the playoffs at home last season where we just held a really deep, um, deep press and just allowed them to keep the ball as long as they want and then just ping it over the top. That was what was worrying me. However, the comments that we've seen recently means that if we can build a team that suits that style, it will allow us to to maybe challenge with these big boys for next season, which is what I'm looking forward to going forwards.
0: So one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was the expectation coming into the season. Uh, Rob, before the start of the season, said that his goal, his expectation, was automatic promotion. If you're the owner of a club, you, you're going to say that, and I get the impression with with Rob that he's very much a kind of, you know, you you say it, you wish it, and it, it will come into It will come to fruition. Do you think that on reflection that his comments before the start of the season might have created an unfair or unrealistic expectation? Or was it a case that with the side that we had, with Gaz, with the club being in that position up until Gaz went to QPR, that was a realistic expectation?
2: you're a business owner, of course you're going to say we're going to go for the, you know, we're going to go for it. If, if Especially if you've just come out of a playoff final. The fact is, again, and I touch on it, week on week, this is a very, very tough League One season. So anyone could have come out on top. If you told me at the beginning of the season that Plymouth were topping it and they weren't going to fall apart like they usually do, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, especially with some of the calibre of clubs that are in there. Um, so, you know, we've got, to really be realistic in the fact that that is what rob would expect as a business you know he he wants to be a sustainable championship club um he he wants to be at the helm of one and and we do have the model for that, but uh, obviously need to get the attendances up first. And we've touched on that before, but I don't think it's fair to kind of go out and criticise him and say, you guaranteed us, you know, championship football when it's not, you know, it's it's essentially is a gamble. Football managing football club is a gamble, isn't it? It's, it's never guaranteed so we can try and set ourselves up. But then if you've got setbacks, such as the amount of injuries we've had this season, such as the managerial change for the first time in 10 years that we've had, Things like that are going to happen. The, the The thing that he needs to do now, and obviously on the back of the interview that he's had earlier with the press, you know, which, which was positive, he's got to put the plans in place that he needs to do to to get us to where he needs to be. It obviously demonstrates if he's disappointed with the season that he does want to go up, but that means he is accountable for making sure that he puts things in place that we do that.
1: I actually agreed with him at the beginning of the season. I think when he looked at our squad, bar the, the goalkeeper farce, that happened that we were always going to sort out, by the way. But it just happened far too slowly. Whether you blame Man United, whether you blame us, whoever you blame, you know, we didn't go into the season in good shape as far as goalkeepers were concerned. But when you look at our squad, if you're playing your best 11, Abita, Morton, Tafferzoli, Grema, Josh Gowan, at the time, you know, we were thinking Thompson, Gape, Wing, McCleary, Vokes. Hanlon, You Now that's a good thirteen or fourteen, a solid thirteen or fourteen. And we saw when the players came back from injury under Gaz, as we touched on earlier, that little spell we had. You know, we beat, we beat Pompey, didn't we? We beat, um, we beat Ipswich. We battered Barnsley. We battered Peterborough. We showed that we are genuinely capable at our strongest of competing at the top of that division. The issues that that I think perhaps we we haven't recovered from. Obviously, the retirement of Mawson, we took a punt and it didn't work. Um, and I think we did put a lot of our eggs in an Alfie Mawson-shaped basket at the beginning of the season because he is that good. And you can't blame Gaz and you can't blame Rob for for us doing that. You know, it was something, do you want an ex-Premier League player, an ex-England under-21 international playing in your League One team? Yes, please. Um, and there's not a supporter at the time who would have said, no, that's a bad move. Then obviously Mameti went, Gaz went, and with Gaz went our style of play. We have seen a a slightly more, ex- not exciting, but a slightly different style of play under Matt. You know, he wants to get the ball on the floor. Um, he wants to play through the lines a bit more. Um, he wants to get the ball into Vokes quicker, um, you know, rather than just big aimless punts from Anthony Stewart from, t- from back to front, like we saw a little bit last season. And I think, you know, partway through a season, all of that um, all of that change has just let us down. It's, it's killed us. And, you know, then on top of that, when you have Vokes injured again, he was injured at the beginning of the season, didn't really have a pre-season, injured again at the end. Then we've lost a beater. We've lost Scown a couple of times. Wings bang out of form. You know, all of those things, yes, they're excuses. If we had a squad of, you know, 19, 20 players of that quality, then we'd still be there. But we don't. And we just need to put our hands up and accept that, Realistically, at this level, we are never going to have a squad of twenty twenty one ex Premier League players. It's just physically impossible. But yeah, you know, I I believe that with our best side out, we had a squad that could compete at the top of this division. I do
3: agree with what the guys say. I'm not I'm not going to criticise Rob Kuhig for what he said, said at the start of the season, but I'm also not going to criticise him for what he said now, because basically he's disappointed. Like Dan said, he's a business owner. A club can probably adapt to maybe one maybe two things major upheavals during the season the fact that we had three in a very short space of time completely derailed us and i genuinely believe if none of those three things has happened we actually be in the playoff places now
4: i mean I, I don't necessarily disagree with some of the things that have been said about how um how we've gone about things and i think i think with rob i mean you're damned if you do you're damned if you don't you've got to sell it to the fans, especially if, if we're hot on topics of things like attendances, as people have said, you're not going to turn around and go, "Ah, oh, do you know what? I'll be happy with mid-table because how, who, how are you going to get bums on seats at that point? You're not. I think maybe he's saying automatic promotion might have been a logical next step, which may have, might have been what he's gone for. I personally think uh, thought our squad at the start of the season was playoff contender worthy. I agree with, with that. I don't think it was automatic standard. Uh, just because of the sheer squads in this division is unbelievable. Um, Ipswich has got, have got about 45 strikers that are all scoring 10 goals a season, which is ridiculous. And we just can't match that. But I think the way we went, how, how soon our transfer activity was linked to those comments was a little bit strange in the sense that we're talking about going for it, automatics and all of this, yet we're messing about over a goalkeeper. And apart from Mawson, who really upgraded our squad by coming in not very many not much at all and that's where I'm thinking uh, so, say as you know act as you do and and try and link what you're saying to your actions rather than it being I'm going to say this and then my actions say a different story that's the issue I had with it but I'm not going to turn around and blame him for that because he's got to sell it he's got to try and get everyone up for the season it's he's, he's the logical next step of trying to get promoted it's just Maybe saying automatics was a bit pie in the sky, considering some of the opposition in this division. And I mean, you, you look at Plymouth. Plymouth were even lower than us last season. If you consider they dropped out on the last day, they've gone out and signed, uh, signed so many good players. And look at them now. They're you know in the top two, could well win the whole thing. Yes, we're not going to sign play, as many players as they've done. Not expecting that at all. But they've not really spoken much. They've just gone about their business which I think we should have done a bit more business to back up that talking that Rob did. But again, not going to criticise him for that at all.
1: Do you think perhaps some of his thinking was, do you know what, we got 84 points last season. We don't need to uh, to rip up the rule, but we just need to add a bit of strength. Absolutely agree. The goalkeeping situation was a fast minute. Look, we weren't helped by one of the biggest clubs in the world. Let's put that out there. Manchester United... Made an absolute mess of it. And let's be completely honest, it's not the first transfer that they've made an absolute mess of over the last two or three years. They're an absolute fast bringing in players and letting players go. But we should have had a plan B. But when Max came in, you know, you look at the squad from last season, we've upgraded Stocko with Max, undoubtedly. We've undoubtedly upgraded. Stewart with Mawson. You've also got Freena with more experience. You've got Mameti with more experience. At the time, you know, we were hoping that we had a fully fit folks who had just scored 17 goals, didn't need to replace him. You also had TJ DeBar coming in, who the management would have known was going to play a bigger, a, a bigger part. We had Gape coming back. We had Thompson coming back. We had Freeman off the back of a full pre-season. I think Rob Coogs looked at it and gone, do you know what? we got 84 points. We've got better players coming back. We don't need to go and spend loads of money. And I want an owner who lets his manager make their own decisions. He gave Gaz three three choices. He said, you can have a budget that challenges in mid-table, you can have a budget that's slightly more competitive, or you can have a go-for-it budget. And he went for the go-for-it budget, and he didn't interfere with the players who Gaz brought in. That was down to Ainsworth. And Ainsworth put all of his eggs in that Alfie Morrison basket, and it didn't work. I think we need to look at it and say... If you're another business, take it away from football, and you have a cracking year, your second best year ever, are you going to strip out all of your team who have got you there and replace it with new people and take a risk? Or are you going to you know, try and strengthen in certain places, but keep the core of the team who have already delivered? And I think that was his thinking, and I think that's that's why he said what he said.
4: I I think you made a really good point a uh, series of very good points there and I don't completely disagree but I, I think you've got to take in the bigger picture of what other teams were doing at the same time I think I do agree with you, the squad was talented enough had enough depth I think some of them are some of the things like we didn't know Max was going to be as good as he was when he did come in in fairness so I don't know if we automatically knew that was a an upgrade which might have caused a bit of you know a um, bit of upheaval from some fans. I know some fans myself because I'm very much into the goalkeeping situation because I still play myself as a goalkeeper. I always have been a goalkeeper. So I've always been looking in that side of things. I think um, Stocko going was, was maybe a big problem, but now we know that that's not so much. But I think if you, if you at, if you look at other teams, Ipswich again, look at those, Plymouth, Derby. I think the teams around us signing so many quality players and then having those squads backed up as well I think we've got to look at that as well and think, yes, we do have a great squad, but lack of depth when we have injuries or when we need those subs coming on, we've always sort of had that issue. And now these clubs that we're going to be competing with this season have improved with
1: Ainsworth. The the issue was with Ainsworth rather than with Rob. Rob's given him the budget Mm. as a business leader and the issue's with Ainsworth, not with Rob.
4: No, yeah. Agree with you there.
1: I
2: don't think Alfie Orson was as much of a kind of unsuccessful transfer, I think, as, as some might say. I I think I was actually think uh, anticipating that maybe we'd get, you know, 10, 15 games out of it. We got him consistently week on week, which surprised me so much. But um, I think, you know, obviously there was a point in time where he, he you know, was there to give it a day, but I call it a day even. But I think, again, it's... The influence that Alfie has in the dressing room, which is just as important. Like last season, it was so important having Akin were in the dressing room because of the, you know, the spirit that he he brought to the team. And and you know, yeah, he, he had a few bit part uh, bits where he came off the bench, but that influence in the changing room is huge. And I think that's what Alfie brought this season, and we we needed that at that time. Uh, we didn't have the greatest of starts. I know there were a few. Uh, few people complaining about how we'd started. Um, but, you know, I think Alfie coming in and then, you know, obviously the consistency of having Max in there as well gave us that shot in the arm that we needed at the time. So I do think that he made the right decisions at the right time. I just think, you know, as Tom said, the depth this season has cost us so much. Um I don't think that's anyone's fault in particular. Um, I think it's just, it's it's an incredibly competitive market. You look at where we've stripped down compared to Ipswich, you have brought in Brawhead, Hurst, all these players that are scoring 50,000 million goals a season against, uh, you know, even Barnsley looked awful, oh, you know, last night compared to how Ipswich are going at the moment. So we need Ipswich to go up in the, uh, in the promotion spaces because I, I really don't want to face them next season.
3: I think the reason he brought in Mawson was because he lost second to He saw Mawson as a general and it was a gamble that worked for 20-odd games. But unfortunately, at that point, he then lost as a general.
0: There are people out there who are looking at this season as a disappointment. They're looking at the last few games, the last couple of months as a disappointment. What would you say to those people, given the fact that everything that we've discussed our realistic expectations going into the season, our readjusted expectations following the loss of Gaz, following the loss of Mawson. Um, Given the fact that this season is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, the fifth or the fourth best season in the club's history, what would you say to the people that would say that this is an abject failure of a season?
2: The last few seasons have been massive periods of success for us. We, We need to calm down the expectations a bit, you know, not every side is going to be successful every season. The fact that we've finished in the top half of a table and we had a playoff chase up until the third and you know the third last game of the season is a you know a good thing. I mean, you look at your Portsmouth and Charlton, who are not going up this season. They've they've got probably bigger expectations of being back in the Championship than we do. Um, being former Premiership clubs, we have got to be realistic here, and, and I, I don't want to touch on the little old Wickham kind of analogy that we always use but you know we're fighting against some huge huge sides here with huge budgets and we're doing well if we continue to fight like we did this season next season then great and I guess we'll touch on it later but Rob uh, touched on the fact that uh, Matt's done a marvellous job since he's come in and you know what I think you know uh, the results haven't been consistent but to keep the players that he has and retain the players means that he's kept you know that 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 could have really Gaz leaving could have really rocked the changing room massively. Everyone could have just gone sod this. I'm out where their contracts are up this season, and he hasn't. So he's done a fantastic job in keeping everything in order, and still keeping us up to the third, you know, third last game of the season, challenging for a playoff place in an incredibly competitive league. We've got to give him some credit there, and we've got to give him a window to build his team, which he's touched on today. He needs to build his team with his players. I mean, if we can sign that uh, that win back from Colchester, it's just one young player of the year. Then you know, with his links, hopefully he knows him and gets on with him well. Because that would be a great signing. Because that kid's going to go far. If we can sign players like that, you know, we've got a real positive look to the season next season.
1: My message would be give it a rest (laughs) and uh, watch a VCR of what times were like under Alan Smith and Neil Smiley young Wickham fans, it does tend to be young Wickham fans as well, who are who are on Twitter demanding that Bloomfield sacked after ten or twelve games, have got absolutely no idea of the rubbish that a lot of us are used to watching um for many, many years. And enjoy it while we're doing well, believe me, because those times could well come. And were it not for the likes of Matt Bloomfield, the likes of Joe Jacobson, the likes of Gareth Ainsworth, the likes of Rob Kuick, we wouldn't even be having this conversation because we'd be out of business. Um, We have got a football club that all of us love, regardless of whether there's 2,000, 5,000 or 9,000 in that stadium. We are very, very lucky to be in a situation where we can sit here and talk about our football club competing at the top end of League One with some of the sides who were not only big sides in the Premier League in the last 30 years, but, you know, we're talking about cup winners. We're talking about teams. Charlton under Alan Kirbishley came four points, I think it was, away from qualifying for Europe. Uh, Portsmouth won the FA Cup. Bolton with JJ Okocha and God knows who else in their side. You know, the, these are massive sides. And just enjoy it. Enjoy the away games. Believe me. Go into Gateshead and Slough and Crewe.
2: No one wants to go to Slough.
1: Hartlepool and oh yeah, you know, believe me, what we have got now is an absolute luxury, and just enjoy it because if you want to go back to to going to Russian and Diamonds or Crawley Town or whoever it might be Northridge, Victoria, Victoria, yeah, Runcorn, (laughs) um, then you go and watch non-league football because. This football club is going places, but we've got to be patient and we've got to be sensible. And as we found out with previous slip ups with Steve Hayes and those of you who remember before that, Simon Monkman, it is very, very, very important that it's done in the right way. It's done in a proper way. We'll talk about it in a minute, but it's done in a sustainable way. And um, we've got good people at the helm. We've got a good manager at the helm. We've got some honest pros. Matty will add two or three who he knows, who he likes, who can play the style of football that he'll play. And we'll be all right. We're not going down. We're not going bust. We've still got a football club. Buy a season ticket and enjoy next season. And chill out over the summer, for God's sake.
4: I I think there's three points that I'm going to make. They're all separate, but they're all pointing to the same thing. To have our most... Turbulent season off the pitch in years, with a manager leaving, one of our best players having to retire halfway through the season, one of our best performing players having to be, well, not having to be, but he was transferred to a bigger, to a club in Championship for bigger and better things, and then also injuries to key players, and we're only what two or three places lower than we were last year. I, I, I'd snap my hand off if that was, if you were to tell me that at the start of the season that was all going to happen in this one season and we'd only be that, that worse off. My second point would be, I'll mention it because it's nearly the ninth anniversary of it, but what could have happened on the 3rd of May 2014? Torquay have just been effectively being relegated to the Conference South, the National League South. That could have well been us. Teams like Yeovil, Scunthorpe, teams who have been in the Championship fairly recently as well, possibly struggling to get their way back into the National League. And you you just think, well, you know what, I'd take a higher mid-table finish in League One if I knew that's the alternative. I certainly would. And I mean, I think as well, just the fact that, that we're, I think the league itself this season is so much more competitive than it was last year anyway. You've got teams that are battling out with nearly 90-odd points, whereas, you know, you're not going to compete with that. But with all, if you consider all the things that's happened, the competitive nature of the league going up, the quality of the league increasing... To be two or three places worse off, I'd snap your hand off, personally.
3: To all the people who are, for want of a better phrase, poo-poo in the season and the last few years saying it's a failure, I've got one word for them. Bury. We could have been in that position if things had gone differently at Torquay. We wouldn't have a club, like others have said. We're lucky to have a club. And the success we've had over the last few years, we've been, we've been a little bit spoiled. And unfortunately, people have now especially more recent fans because of the success so i started thinking that's the norm all of us who've been watching wickham for a long time realize that's not the norm but it's been and it's been enjoyable and i do think he'll come back we
4: just got to get let blooms and uh, rob do do the job i've been watching Wickham since the early 2000s possibly due to my age rather than anything else um but I never thought I'd see many ex-Premier League, you know, or even ex-international players playing at week in, week week out. And we've got that in abundance at the moment, which I thought was a nice thing to talk about because it's only, what, 15, 20 years since I've started watching. And we've already made that progress already, which I think is something worth mentioning.
0: That's why we like this podcast so much. Nice, realistic, positive conversations and uh, dispelling myths. That's what we're also all about. Last week, Adam couldn't join us for our financial report conversation. Uh, Dan was able to spill the goss on the recently published financial documents that did get Twitter uh, in a little bit of a spin. That seems to happen quite a lot. Um, Adam, you wanted to add your two cents on the financial
1: report and why we shouldn't be worrying so much. This is just typical of Wickham fans in 2023. If we're not winning every game 5-0, the bloody moaning. Anything that isn't a massive signing that's reported on uh, on Twitter or Facebook or wherever it may be is met by a barrage of abuse to our owners or to the manager or to the club's administration team or whoever it might be. And I'm not going to sit here and treat people like they're stupid and say... You know, a loss of that size is is a positive thing and should be embraced because it's absolutely not. But let's just look at things in a sensible manner. First of all, um, Rob, Missy and co took over just before uh, COVID lockdown. As far as we're concerned, from the start of them taking over, we are still a very, very young business in inverted commerce. Very, very few young businesses make money in the first, 5 or 6 years. So let's first of all say I wasn't expecting the uh, the accounts to come out with huge profits. Secondly, let's not compare it to the previous year in a championship because we know that League 1 you don't get the TV revenue. It was a bit of a freak here in a championship because we had a lot of revenue coming through from um from iFollow. And a lot of people still renewed their season tickets and donated the money back into the club. So it's a bit of a freak here. Also in 2020, Dreams sponsored the club for three years. So there's a bit more sponsorship income coming in as well. If I own a restaurant and I want more customers, I've got to buy more tables and pay more waiters and more chefs. That's the simplest way to look at this. We want to grow and become a sustainable championship club. To enable us to do that, it's not just about buying 25 brilliant footballers because those 25 brilliant footballers won't get anywhere in the current situation. Robbing the gang are spending or are trying to spend huge amounts of money on the stadium, trying to improve access, trying to keep the prices as competitive as they possibly can. I want to dispel a myth. People are coming out saying we're so expensive to watch. We're so expensive to watch. It's three quid to sit in a family stand with a kid. I can't take my son to whiz kids in tame soft play for less than three quid. For both of our season tickets on the halfway line, it's 35 quid a month. So we're not ripping people off. They've invested a huge amount of money in a training ground. They've invested huge amounts of money in players like Horgan, Mawson, Vokes, um, who have all been relatively successful we have got to keep spending money if we want to become a sustainable championship club. And as soon as the trust deal is done and the Kuigs take over a larger percentage, we will be able to spend money at a much faster rate and the progression will happen quicker. At the moment, the agreement is that if Rob puts money in, the trust have to meet 25% of that. And it's not sustainable. The trust can't do it. Now what should have happened is that when it became clear that the trust couldn't couldn't meet that agreement, Rob should have gone in and said, right, you've broken the agreement. I'm taking the 25% off you. But he didn't. He's a nice guy. He's a trustworthy guy. The question that I ask you is, would he still be pumping his personal funds into this business, his personal money? If he didn't think it was worth it, no, he wouldn't. This guy is one of the top lawyers in the, U- in the US. He's not an idiot. He hasn't just won the lottery, come into a load of money and brought himself a toy. He is putting money in because he believes there is opportunity for this football club to grow and develop it into a profitable club. There are some issues. And I don't think that we can hide the fact that there are issues, but there are some issues. And the fact that the business has made a loss, the auditors will always comment and say, there are concerns. What I look at is there's not huge amounts of debt. There's a little bit of an overdraft. There's a bit of uh, trade debt, which is probably, I don't know, where we brought players, for example, and we're paying over you know, numerous installments or we've improved the ground and we're paying over numerous installments. There's an awful lot going on that is very, very positive. I don't think we should look at it and say, oh my God, you know, we've got a huge loss. We're going bust. That isn't the situation at all. You will probably see losses equal to or more than what have been reported this year for the next two or three years, I would suggest. As we start to become a more sustainable championship club, growing the attendances, which we have done already, by the way. When you look at the average crowd from this season compared to last season, it's great. But as the attendances grow, as we become better at what we're doing, as the stadium improvements happen, as the access issues are changed, we will grow as a club and that will lead to more income. What I would say to people is hold tight. The next two or three years are going to look crap. The other thing is there will be some tax efficiency measures going on. Um, They will spend money here there and everywhere so they don't have to pay tax on certain income that is just how how a business runs they're not going to tell you the whole story if they don't have to and i've heard loads of people on twitter and loads of people saying to me personally oh you know they've only they've only filed part of couch they haven't put they haven't given us the whole story why on earth would you give the game away to your competitors if you don't have to HMRC do not require us to submit or to release full accounts. If you're working for Tesco and you run out of sausages, are you going to go to the press and tell everybody that you've got no sausages and let all your customers walk into Asda or Sainsbury's? No, you're not. There's a reason why we only report what we absolutely have to, to satisfy the authorities. And that's because we don't want to be bent over a barrel when we're selling players. We don't want to be bent over a barrel when we're buying players. And we don't want to be bent over a barrel when we're trying to agree finance agreements with people who are providing us with goods and services. Yes, the accounts could have been better. There are some negatives in there. There's also some positives. Expect it to get worse before it gets better. But I'm not worried
2: you know sometimes everyone associates a loss with uh everything being bad and doom and gloom and that's everything's going under because you're losing money but actually no you've got to look at the levels of investment that they're making the levels of improvements to the infrastructure they're making as a whole We, we we're literally starting from a base very base level here you know we haven't we didn't have an academy a few years ago you know we've developed a development squad now these things cost money so just just stick with it it's uh it's the nature of the football club.
0: Uh, We move on to this week's EFL Awards. So as Wickham fans know, we had a nice presence at the awards ceremony as uh, Sir Bayo Akinfenwa, I mean, he's going to get a knighthood at some point, uh, picked up a deserved award. He received the Sir Tom Finney Award. Just a wonderful servant for the club. Much deserved. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about the winners list, uh, specifically the League One team of the season. Some interesting names made the list no Wickham players made the list I think we can make the argument that there were a couple of players that were definitely in contention for the spots but uh what do we think about the League One team of the season and do you feel the the lack of maybe one or two players from us from Wickham Wanderers in this team of the season is uh, uh is unjust
2: I think if you look at team of the week over the last season we've had five players in it every week and that's probably because the admin is a Wickham fan, but uh, nah. I'm seriously, the 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 season's been ace for footballers, not it it's, you know League One's been cracking. Uh, you can't. I think you look at you look at. I'm just looking at the, the players you got there. You got Plymouth, Ipswich, Barnsley, Bolton, Derby, Sheffield Wednesday, Peterborough. They're all up there, aren't they? You know. Um, the, I think the only exception is Aaron Collins. Bristol Rovers who's had a cracking season anyway, so you you can't argue it. Apart from, I don't know, Conor Hurrahans he's okay but I, I I don't think he's overly great but apart from that you know that you you could put quite a few players in there there's there's got to be someone that misses out so yeah I mean I I think for us if we were going to put anyone in there probably put josh going probably maybe from our perspective probably David wheeler but all this stuff's based on stats you know we're not, we're not going to win on that part
4: I mean, I don't have too much of a problem with it. There's two players in particular that stick out to me as being, mm, should they be in there? Number one, Connor Horahan, as we've already mentioned. I think that's because he's, he's contributed with goals as well, whereas I think that's where it's not Josh's game, but I think that's where that might have let him down or, and let other similar midfielders down. He's a bit of a name as well, another ex-Premier League player, so they'll probably be trying to shout about him as well. And the other one is Michael Cooper. Yeah, he's had a really unfortunate bad injury but i think you know young trafford in for bolton's kept nearly 20 yeah. clean sheets so if, surely if um ricardo santos the big center back's in there surely he should be in there as well or at least uh christopher uh christopher walton or christian walton um for ipswich as well he's kept nearly similar amount of clean sheets um but as we say it comes down to stats and assists and things like that and barry bannon's a great player and he a great play, puts in a good performance in most games and also contributes with assists and goals when he needs to. So I think that's the midfield section to be where we'd be looking for players. And I just think goals and assists might be the falling down and why we haven't got any in there, because, um, just because of the players that are in there. And I think Max has had a superb season as well as players like Grimmer. Um, but I just think, again, the level of some of the other teams this season, we just can't compete in those positions. There's one player
3: who I believe should be in it, and that is Max. I just think he's been... And if you look at the stats, he's up there. up there. Uh, if he hasn't got the most, he's second on the list of clean sheets this season. The other players have all been a little bit inconsistent. I don't think he... Apart from maybe in the last game where he made a mistake, I can't really think of any, any things where he's really
1: cost us the whole season. I just think he's been that, that dependable. Yeah, I would kind of agree with that, Damo. <laughs> You could make an argument definitely for Max, possibly for, for Josh. But these things are always, as um, as I think Dan said earlier, based on stats. And everybody knows what my opinion is on stats. When, when did the point come where we stopped watching football with our eyes? Nobody pays attention for 90 minutes. And then we load up Sky Sports and find out what the XG or the possession stats are. You know, Gareth Ainsworth last week won a game with 15% possession they'd made 52 passes in the first 40 minutes it means absolutely nothing and i tear my air out when i listen to this rubbish one of the players played 70 minutes and didn't complete a pass yeah yeah exactly right you know and i i just tear my air out when i watch rubbish like this i really do it's like the brit awards isn't it it's just it, it 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 it's just a load of a load of people getting together in excuse for a piss up at the end of the season uh, I'm absolutely delighted for Baye that he got some uh, some recognition for, for what he's done for football, but not only what he's done for football, what he's done just for, you know, people's mental health, for his attitude towards life and stuff. And he's a different story for a different day because I could talk about him literally for hours. He's just such a brilliant human. I'm I'm delighted for him, but the rest of it I just take with a pinch of salt. You know, players who I think have been down and, and looked really, really useful. This this season, you know, they've all been mentioned. Alfie May um, yeah. has had a good season, but when you look at the league, Plymouth on ninety five points, Ipswich on ninety four points, Sheffield Wednesday on ninety points, Barnsley on eighty five points, Bolton on seventy five points. It's, it's it's perfectly feasible that four teams could finish on on over ninety points. Yeah, only two of those are going to go up, so. I don't think we can be too surprised that there's not too many players from outside of that sort of top four, four maybe top six. The lump up front against Peterborough, who spent 180 minutes in uh, in Tafazoli's pocket, is uh, is probably probably the one uh, the one that sticks out. Where do you start and where do you end? You know, I am absolutely convinced they just look at the stats and pick the the best eleven or or the highest eleven stats and just make a team out of it. It, it. It is just absolute rubbish. It really is. I paid no attention to it whatsoever.
0: Well, you're gonna love what happens in a couple of weeks' time because on the season finale of this podcast, we will be doing our very first end of the season awards. So we may not have scooped up at the EFL awards, but in a couple of weeks, it's all about Wickham Wanderers. One player that will probably feature on a shortlist, inevitably, is TJ DeBar. And TJ um, made an appearance recently as part of Wickham Wanderers' Chairboys chat initiative. Damo, you were there. Um, You have closely guarded all of the information that you took from uh from this chat. What did TJ have to say? What were the biggest takeaways from the evening?
3: Well I just wanna sort of embarrass myself at first when I entered the room, sat down, and thought to myself, Oh, I wonder when TJ's gonna uh, arrive and then looked to my left and he was sat next to me. Um he was he was wearing a calf and I didn't recognise him. <laughs> um but anyway um, biggest takes, he has had real mental health problems whilst he's been with us. For the first 15 months he was a, a Wickham Wonders player, 13 of those months he was injured. He had problems where, basically, he didn't. He almost didn't want to get out. He said he didn't want to leave his house. He's, he's with a, in digs with the family. he was when he started. He's still there now. He's the club chef. But, yeah, he, he didn't want to get out of bed in the morning because... He knew he'd go to the club, to the training ground, and he wouldn't be with the lads. He wouldn't be doing anything like that. And it, But it got to a point where he got himself fit, and in January, he had a chat with Gaz and said to him, look, playing time, what's going to happen? And this is something I found really interesting. Gaz said to him, I'm planning to use you. Would you consider not going to play for Gibraltar in March? And it was Gaz who asked him to do it. It wasn't his own decision. And he obviously went with that. It shows, for me, mental character because he could have lost his opportunity with Gibraltar. I don't think he has. I think he'll go back to him. But he, he could, we've seen his development this season because of that. And uh, Matt Brunfield's stuck with that. Um, they're only training at the moment Tuesday to Friday. Sorry, uh, Tuesday to th- Tuesday, Thursday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And he's finding that difficult. But uh, the thing that I found positive is that he said he loves playing for Wickham. He's happy at Wickham. Talks are ongoing. And I think the, uh,
1: the signing isn't too far away. That's my main takes from that. That's really good news, isn't it? To to hear that he's, um, he's a lot happier. You know, as somebody who's, who's suffered serious mental health problems myself in the past. First of all, like we said a couple of weeks ago, when we were talking about players being out of contract, these are just young kids in a lot of cases, taken a long way away from home, you know, living with people that they don't know, doing what they love. And as soon as they get a knock or they get an injury or whatever it might be, you don't think about how difficult life can be. And when you think back and you cast your mind back to when you've seen TJ walking around since he's joined, have you ever seen him without a smile on his face? Have you ever seen him turn an autograph down? Have you ever seen him turn a picture down? Absolutely not. Um, I think I, well, I, I did up on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, we... We bumped into him outside of our local Tesco Express uh, with my little one. And he actually uh, shouted, he shouted, Lockie, Lockie. And uh, little one turned around and got off his bike and went over and high-fived him and had a little chat with him. It was the day after the Morecambe game. He could quite easily have put his cap over his face, walked into Tesco's and, you know, not spoken to him. Regardless of what you think of him as a footballer, I personally think he's a very, very, very talented young man um i'd love to see him get another deal but regardless of what you think of him as a footballer, he's got to have the utmost respect for what he's done moved away from home a long way from home turned down playing for his national side when you're ranting on twitter about a player or about the team's performance just stop for a minute and think the players can see that these are young blokes they're not on mega money they're not employing people to run their social media team if you're about to slate a player or a manager or a member of staff or or an owner that's buzzing on their personal phone and they're going to pick that up and they're going to read it themselves and just have a think would you want to receive that on your phone from somebody who knows absolutely nothing about you or your life none of us would want to be receiving that sort of message
3: i will just say that he was such a nice guy and basically when the session ended he didn't have to stay but he stayed and talked to everyone who wanted to speak to him he didn't have to do that
0: just another example of uh, another and Wanderers player, just a and Wanderers representative going above and beyond and making sure that that connection between the club and the fans uh, is there. And that's something that makes me uh, personally very proud to be a and Wanderers fan. We turn our attention to this coming weekend, the final home game at Adams Park of the season. Our opponents, Cheltenham Town, uh, they bring it pretty much every time they come to HP 12 draws, three all draws, five all draws. Given the fact that the pressure of the playoffs is off and that there are opportunities now to potentially get youngsters in the squad and get them some playing minutes, what do you want to see when we line up on Saturday? How do you think it will go? Give us your predictions.
1: I personally would like to see um, would like to see Jordan Willis start. He showed enough last week to enable us or enable Matt to put him in the side. I'd like to see a bit more Jasper. Uh, it sounds like he's pretty close to signing a to signing a contract, so I'd like to see a bit of Jasper and maybe a bit of Christy Ward as well. I don't think we need to go gung ho and chuck a load of youngsters in and. Tear up what we've been trying to do, but I think you know, giving them all fifteen or twenty minutes, and perhaps giving giving Willis a start would be a positive for me. I think this time of the season, it's just so difficult to to try and predict what's going to happen because they're probably thinking the same thing. They're not going up, they're not going down. They might chuck a couple of youngsters in themselves, but I'm going to go with a high scoring draw, maybe a three or
3: another one. I won't go as far as the five or of last season, but. I can see us putting a load of players in. Uh, Chrisy Ward might start. Wakeley will probably, could, could start. They may even um, think of using the young goalkeeper we've got on loan for a couple of games. I just think experimenting is all, all well and good if you're going to carry it carry on with those sort of players next season. If they're going to leave, there's, no, there's not really much point in it. <laughs> I've not got predictions right pretty much all season. So I'm going to go through... A, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there and I'm going to say a 3-0 win.
4: Oh. That is that is pretty optimistic i'll i rate that Damien I have to say <laughs> um, I, I I think the one thing i'd like to see i am not too overly fussed about personnel because it's a game that's there's no pressure, but I'd like us to use that lack of pressure to play with a specific system and just start getting those founding blocks in place so we can see it as fans as well because that was my main takeaway of the last game the fact is we sort of were just passing it around at the back a little bit and then just punting it long we didn't really know what we were doing and i kept looking at players like wing who kept looking over at the touchline sort of in hope of please tell me what to do To so just playing one specific way whether that just be a nice little passing patterns all game we don't go long even once or whether we just go long the whole time just something that we can see is a clear plan and we're doing it rather than the last game And because of that, there's no pressure on us now. I'd like us to to think we'd rise to that challenge. Um, I can't see a lot of goals just because both teams could be on the beach. Um, So I'm looking at a 0-0 or a 1-1. But then there is is one man that scares me every time he steps foot on the pitch at Adams Park. And that man is Alfie May. So we could well see another two or three all game where it's just goals going in constantly just because... They're just going, I'll just get my stats up at the end of the season. And uh, defences are a little bit on the beach, as we say. So uh, either a close one-all draw, it's going to be hardly contested or a big goal fest of three-all. Problem
2: we've got is that now people will think, that's it, nothing to play for. That's the end of the season. Let's just piss about for 90 minutes and run out the time. These two games are just as important as to whether we're pushing up for a playoff push or not, and the only reason for that is is the fact that Matty still needs to use game time to establish what he wants to do. And that's what he needs to do here, as as Tom said, and I agree. I don't think the personnel matters. I think it could be anyone, um, as Adams alluded to, and and DeMo as well. I'd like to see some youngsters in there, give them a go. Give you know they've got something to play for here. They've got you know, the opportunity to try and stake a first-team place. You know, if Harvey Cartwright does play for a couple of games, he's got potential, you know, if he likes it down there, he's got potential to go, you know, uh, play a couple of good games and maybe we sign him on, on a permanent, you know. So, we've we've got plenty, you know, the players have got plenty to play for and Bloomfield's got to use his time to develop what he wants to do It's it is just as important really for for preparations for next season i would say a high score and draw but we need to score goals and we don't seem to be doing that at home and we don't win on saturdays so who knows i'm probably going to go with a two two I, I know i said that we need to score goals but i think two seems to be our limit at the moment and Alfie female scored two
0: well, I'm going to predict that this, the final home game of the season, is going to be the Saturday where we finally break that curse and we're going to pick up a win. Uh, Alfie May will score. He just always seems to score against us. Um, but I reckon we're going to find our scoring boots. We're going to rediscover those scoring boots, um, particularly given the fact that, uh, well, Touchwood wood, Voxie is uh, back to full fitness. Yeah, I'm going to go 2-1. I'm feeling pretty good about that prediction as well. End the season on a strong. I also want to see Blooms really use Use it as an opportunity with the pressure off to play the football that he wants to. Pressure off, play that football, uh, help the team understand exactly what the system is going to be for next season. And show us glimpses and get us excited. Tantalise us with a display of exactly what football we can expect to see at HP 12 next season. And I'll do it for this week. Thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP 12 podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at DanClarkPR, Damo at Damo1507, uh, The Invisible Chris at JG's Long Fro, and Tom at TJW0405. Don't forget, you can also join in future podcasts by sending us voice messages via Speakpipe. Want to share your opinions on all things Chairboys? Go to speakpipe.com forward slash heroes of HB12 and leave us a message to appear on the next episode of the podcast. We'll be back next week for another episode. Until then, stay well and come on you blues. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines.